Life Expansion After 50 podcast. Today we're talking about relationships and cognitive biases. Now, why am I starting with relationships? Well, in shifting to a be-do-have paradigm, while emotions are the gateway to getting what we want in life, everything we want and don't yet have in some way involves other people, making relationships an important area to make sure we're not getting hijacked. Now, what's an example of a cognitive bias impacting a relationship? There's a cognitive bias called in-group favoritism. This is where individuals tend to favor members of their own group over those belonging to different groups, called the out-group. Now, this bias is evident even in toddlers who show a preference to those who share preferences and aggression to those who are perceived as different. There was a Yale experiment where toddlers wanted to see puppets who did not like their favorite cereal, suffer, and wanted to help the puppets who did like their favorite cereal and treat them with kindness. The YouTube video is Born Good, Babies Help Unlock the Origins of Morality. It's at about six minutes and 50 seconds into the video. I'll put the link in the notes. Now there's a similar study involving adults done by Henry Tajfel and John Turner. This study showed how people favor their in-group even in minimal or arbitrary conditions. It was published in the Social Identity Theory of Intergroup Behavior. Now you can see why salespeople for over a century have been told to find something you have in common with the prospect and talk about that. It's a basic tenet of building rapport, as is mirroring the other person's mannerisms. Now, why is this important in the context of life expansion? Well, as I mentioned earlier, most of what we want and don't have is somewhat related to relationships and cognitive biases take us down a path that just recreates what we've had in the past. So if we want more of what we've had in the past, we should keep doing what we've had in the past. If we want more, we want something different. We're designing a life that we'll love living, something in the future, then we have to do something different. That difference can begin in relationships. And that's why I'm covering it here. To understand cognitive biases, it helps to look at them through the lens of priming. And you've heard me talk about this before. Priming is so important that for all my sales clients, I recommend they read the book Persuasion by Robert Cialdini because we're always being primed and we're always priming others. It's either on purpose or unintentionally, and usually the latter, except when it comes to professional marketers, they're doing it proactively. Understanding the ways we can impact others and be impacted when it comes to priming helps to look at cognitive biases because we can put a label on what's causing the unwanted behavior. Once you have a label on something, it becomes easier to manage. Now, in simple terms, in simple terms, priming is a psychological phenomenon where exposure to a stimulus influences how a person responds to a subsequent related stimulus, often without their awareness. It's like preparing the mind to think or react in a certain way based on previous experiences or information. And this process can impact perceptions, attitudes, and behaviors without individuals consciously realizing it. In everyday life, it's akin to a subtle cue shaping how you might interpret or react to something that follows. Now, a cognitive bias is a systematic pattern of deviation from norm or rationality and judgment, whereby inferences about other people and situations may be drawn in an illogical fashion. These biases often stem from the brain's attempt to simplify information processing, leading to perceptual distortion, inaccurate judgment, illogical interpretation, or what is broadly called irrationality. Cognitive biases can influence decision-making and behavior and their inherent aspects of human cognition. In other words, instead of making decisions based on what's true, our brains might jump to conclusions or make choices that are out of character 
but then we stick to the decision because of a cognitive bias called commitment bias. So it becomes like a loop. And you can see how this works when you consider that the brain and unconscious, which is basically our network of neural pathways, which is predominantly from the past and especially ages zero to seven, together they can process 11 million bits of information per second. The conscious mind's fastest reaction time is about two tenths of a second. So by the time the conscious mind has picked up what's going on, the unconscious may have already processed over two million bits of information. If you're distracted or engaged in something else, your reaction time can take as much as seven tenths of a second. This is how we end up making knee-jerk statements or having knee-jerk reactions and making decisions. And the problem is that these reactions are based on past experiences, not the present moment. So in essence, we keep recreating the past. When it comes to interacting with others, I see it as more problematic because it's so easy for people to push our buttons. They can make statements that come out of left field. They can use tone and inflection and specific words to heighten emotion where it doesn't need to be heightened. And this can trigger a response on the, along the lines of fight, flight, freeze, and scarcity, or fear of missing out, and more. Taken together, you can see how these two patterns, priming and cognitive biases, reveal how our minds can sometimes act in surprising ways. Imagine your brain is always searching for meaning without you even realizing it. It collects clues and makes decisions based on previous experiences or subtle influences. So when you make choices or see things, it's not always just about what's happening now, but also about the searching that your brain has been doing in the background, shaping how you think and act and also what to focus on. Again, the majority of the neural pathways were formed between the ages of zero to seven. That's when we were in the hypnotic-like state to absorb everything we need to know to survive and procreate. It makes sense from an evolutionary standpoint. Your parents survived long enough to have you, therefore they must know something about surviving. So download everything they believe, know, do, trust, and fear so you can survive too. That's kind of how it works in a simplified way of thinking about it. Hopefully you can see the problem with this. While it's great for surviving long enough to procreate, it's not so good for pursuing your purpose, self-actualizing, or becoming the best version of yourself. Spend enough time thinking about this little discussed dynamic and accelerate the dilemma with the internet and artificial intelligence, and you can see so many clues as to why there's a ton of anxiety. Now, let me just take a moment to connect the dots to life expansion after 50. When it comes to priming and cognitive biases, if you agree that most of our lives are run by habit, which is essentially the unconscious, and if you agree that most people succumb to this by age 35, you can see one, how we've been recreating the past over and over, just in different venues. And two, why it's so hard to change. Priming kicks off habit cycles and habit cycles kick off priming. And there we go around and around and around. Not to mention marketers and advertisers, as I've mentioned before, they've been using these tools for decades, well before the internet. Now here's why I'm spending so much time on this. Understanding and managing the effective cognitive biases is a major step toward regaining control from the unconscious. When you can label it, you can manage it, as I've said. Limit your susceptibility to cognitive biases and you limit the domination of the unconscious. It's not a panacea, but it's a start. Later episodes, we'll get into the next steps once you can neutralize the external stimuli. Now, while this applies to all ages, a 50-year-old easily has an adjusted life expectancy to around the early 90s. For more on this, check out the first episode of the show, Life Expectancy. Given another 40 plus years and the wisdom, networks, experiences, resources, and self-awareness you have gained over the years, 
and consider that you have more than half your adult life ahead of you, consider what you've created in the first half. Now think about what's possible when you're not starting over, but starting from where you are. So let's get into it. If you missed the last few episodes, I recommend at least listening to episode 36. This is where I introduce cognitive biases using the nocebo effect, which is the opposite of a placebo, and where a belief can cause illness or impairment to oneself simply with beliefs. And of course, cognitive biases can lead to and trigger beliefs. There have already been six episodes on cognitive biases, so you'll hear some overlap and some repeated themes. The difference is the next five or six episodes are focused on application toward designing a life that you'll love living. Now here are nine cognitive biases that I recommend paying attention to as you think about the relationship area. One, this is the confirmation bias you've heard before, the tendency to favor information that confirms pre-existing beliefs. In relationships, you can see how this could be a misinterpretation of actions selective attention to confirming negative assumptions, and reluctance to consider alternative perspectives. Connect this to favoritism, and you can see how polarization can take on a life of its own. The second one is attribution bias. Attribution bias attributes positive actions to one's own character and negative actions to external factors for oneself, while attributing the opposite for others. The impact on relationships is that it can result in a lack of empathy, misunderstanding, and unfair judgments about a different person's intentions. The third one is the halo effect. Letting one positive or negative trait influence overall judgment. The impact on relationships is overemphasizing a single positive or negative aspect of a person can lead to unrealistic expectations or premature judgments. Cognitive dissonance. This is the discomfort that stems from holding conflicting beliefs or attitudes. In relationships, it can mean justifying behaviors that go against one's values, causing strain in relationships, or it could cause internal conflicts. And the five is recency bias. This is giving more weight to recent events when making judgments. You can see how this can cause overreacting to recent negative experiences without considering the overall context, potentially causing unnecessary conflicts. I think when people get triggered, you can see this at play because the triggering event just lingers and lingers and lingers and everything that comes after that can go through that same filter. The sixth one is projection bias, assuming others share one's beliefs, values, or perspectives. It can lead to misunderstandings and frustration when assumptions about a person's thoughts or feelings are inaccurate. Seven is negativity bias, focusing more on negative experiences than positive ones. In relationships, you have probably seen how it can lead to magnifying small issues, overlooking positive aspects, and fostering an overall negative atmosphere. Anchoring bias, I've mentioned before, relying too heavily on the first piece of information encountered. In dealing with other people, this can be seen in how first impressions can be overweighted, being overly influenced by initial impressions, potentially leading to misunderstandings or underestimating a person's growth and development. The ninth one is self-serving bias, attributing positive events to one's own character and negative events to external factors. In relationships, it can create difficulty seeing things from another's point of view and contribute to a lack of accountability and empathy when it comes to improving organization or cohabitation environments, as individuals may not fully acknowledge their role in conflicts.
And that covers the cognitive biases for the relationship area. Next uh, episode will be on the professional one. And you'll see, again, some repeated themes. There's about three dozen of them I'm highlighting. You can have one cognitive bias, as you see, that'll impact different areas. I'll cover the four areas on the right side of the seven fitness areas graphic individually. And then we'll handle the left side a little bit differently because the left side, that's what we do, right? That's where we're taking charge. So there you go. I'll be doing some live Q&As as well as other types of live events, things like getting above the line from a neural change perspective. You can go to sevenfitnessareas.com slash connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, sevenfitnessareas.com slash connect. And on that page, you'll have other ways to connect, whether it's live events, my Facebook page and things of that nature. So I'll see you on the other side.